On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the Model Y overtakes the Model 3 to become Tesla's top seller. The full-size version of the new Tesla Roadster still doesn't have a firm release window, but a smaller version of it does. Plus, good news for future Tesla Model 3 buyers and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey alongside Daisy the Boxer with you for episode 299 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. This one for April 25th, 2021. There is, as usual, a ton of interesting Tesla news to get to. A quick programming note up front, my monthly Google Hangout for the maximum plaid tier Patreon backers that any new or upgraded uh, backer, anyone that, that joins the Patreon for the first time or upgrades their pledge, gets a one-time invite to as well. That monthly Google Hangout is going to now be on Sunday, May 9th. I would normally do it the first sun- Sunday of the month, which, which is next Sunday, but I am going to be traveling back from Arizona uh, that weekend. So I'm just going to kick that back one more week. For those of you who are looking forward to that, Emails and calendar invites will go out for that uh, pretty soon, so not too far away, and I'll get that on your calendars. Looking forward to those. Those have been a really, really good time each and every month hanging out with a bunch of you. Okay, let's get to the Tesla news. First up this week, the Model Y is now outselling the Model 3, at least in California, which is certainly Tesla's biggest individual state market here within the United States. I guess maybe you'd call that a micro market. I'm not sure. But anyway, the story comes via Teslarati, who writes, the Model Y was sold uh, 12,227 times in Q1 of 2021, while registrations in California for the Model 3 were listed at 8,060 units, according to data from CrossSell, a research firm. Cross-Sell tracks title and registration data for automakers across several regions, and the initial data was reported by Reuters. This is now, also notably, the second consecutive quarter that the Model Y has done so. And so, uh, to me, really, this is, I would say, both surprising and not surprising at the same time. It's not surprising to me because Elon has telegraphed this. He said this uh, two, three years back even. He has long suggested that the Model Y was going to be Tesla's best-selling car. And the last two quarters tell us that the Model Y production ramp is, in in service of that goal, basically finished, right? It's not to say they won't continue to ramp a little more, but they have clearly achieved pretty much full run rate on the Model Y production ramp. And the vehicle is now cranking out of Fremont at full speed. Now, uh, not just Fremont, now it's Shanghai as well. Also, the other reason this is not a surprise, we of course know how SUV and crossover crazy that the United States market is. That's been a long established trend now. Why I am surprised about this a bit is because the Model Y, remember, starts at $50,000. Whereas, because the standard range Model Y only lasted about five minutes before being discontinued. The Model 3, as you probably know, has the standard range plus 
that starts at, well, now, after another $500 price increase this week as material costs, raw material costs, are going up around the globe here in the sort of uh, domino effect of, of the pandemic, the Model 3 Standard Range Plus now starts at 39 So that's still a heck of a price gap, which to me is just a very good indicator of exactly how SUV and crossover crazy at least California is, if not the entire United States. But but yeah, you've got a $50,000 on up SUV that's outselling a sedan that, that has a really attractive version at $39,000. So that is, a, I mean, that's a 25% increase in price over the Model 3. So big demand for the Model Y. Now, given a bit more time, I do think the Model Y uh, will also outsell the Model 3 globally, given that while Fremont and Shanghai are both now making the Model 3 and the Model Y, Tesla's got two new factories, remember, two new factories opening up later this year that are going to make the Model Y initially. But remember, neither Texas nor Berlin has indicated any plan to build the Model 3, at least in the near-term future. So one of those alone should be more than enough to put the Model Y sales pretty comfortably past those of the Model 3. But two factories, uh, a plus two in the factory department that are both making Y and not 3, should seal the deal for uh, for Model Y sales over Model 3 pretty, de- pretty definitively. In fact, in a year or so from now, I just wonder how big the gap between the two cars is going to be. And really, another little thing, will the Model Y eat into Model 3 demand at all? I mean, something tells me that it won't, at least not while the aforementioned more affordable standard range plus 3 is around, but we shall see. Speaking of the standard range plus Model 3, Tesla has confirmed that it will soon introduce a paid software upgrade that will enable the heated steering wheel for standard range plus Model 3 owners. To be clear, it is already standard on new long range and performance Model 3s. This story comes via Drive Tesla Canada, who writes, news of the upgrade was included in an email sent today to service centers in Europe, a copy of which was obtained by Drive Tesla Canada. According to the email, Model 3s built after the following dates, after the following dates will include the heated steering wheel. Cars coming out of Fremont, that's going to be Model 3s built after March 31st, so basically April forward. And Model 3s coming out of Giga Shanghai, those are anything in 2021. Model 3s built after January 1st, 2021. The email stated, Standard Range Plus Model 3 owners with the appropriate hardware will be able to turn on this feature with a paid software update that should appear, quote, in the coming weeks. There was no price mentioned, but Drive Tesla Canada notes that Tesla charges about uh, $300 US, 400 Canadian, to unlock the rear seat heaters. So they say, they say, we expect the price should be similar. I would pretty well concur with that. I would imagine it will be uh, probably a little less than the rear heated seats. If it's maybe 250, maybe two, but probably not less than that. Now, I suspect this probably won't affect many of you in my audience right now, given that really there can't be more than literally a few of you who've taken delivery here in mid-April of a standard range plus Model 3 specifically that's built 
in the month of April. You would have had to have just taken delivery of something that just rolled off the production line. But this will be relevant to many of you, no doubt, going forward. Because basically, if you purchase a standard range plus Model 3 at now any point in the future, it won't come standard with that heated steering wheel, but the hardware will be in the car and you'll be able to unlock that for a fee through your Tesla app if you like, which quite frankly is an awesome option to have. I've actually heard nothing but great things about heated steering wheels in, in a Tesla or in any car. I've never had one in a car. And in fact, now that I think about it, I've never even driven a car that's had one, I don't think, or at least I've never used one if it's been there. So I've just never experienced it. Also, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area where we not only don't really have winter, we also don't have summer, but <laughs> that's that's beside the point. But we don't really have a winter, so uh, you know this is not the best literal climate for it, but I really have heard time and time again in the Tesla community how folks in winter climates absolutely love this feature. And the, the bonus about getting this in a Tesla specifically versus any other car is that, remember, in a Tesla, you can turn on and pre-warm your heated steering wheel before you ever get in the car. So you don't have to turn it on and then, you know, turn it on when you get in the car and wait for it to warm up your cold hands. It will be nice and warm to the touch by you preheating that steering wheel before you ever get in the car, which is just a nice convenience feature. All right, next this week, another fun story. More Tesla toys are coming. First, we had the Kids Radio Flyer Model S. Then we had the Toddler Radio Flyer Model Y. Then we had the small Hot Wheels Cybertruck, the one, I believe it's 20th scale. And now there's uh, just this week, the pre-order holders for the larger, the $400, much larger radio-controlled Cybertruck have started getting their products. Uh, And now we have a Matchbox next-gen Roadster, but that's not all. So, yes, the core of the story is the new Tesla Roadsters getting a Matchbox car. That is cool. I always loved having my dream cars in as Matchbox toys when I was a kid. But that's really the least interesting part of this story. It's cool, don't get me wrong. But what's really fascinating about this is that this specific Tesla Roadster Matchbox car is going to be sustainably made, which is going to just usher in a whole new era for Matchbox. This is, they're they're trying to turn over a new leaf here and make their toys sustainably made moving forward. So I want to say thank you to Zubin in the San Francisco East Bay, my friend, for flagging this story to me. And this story comes via CNET Roadshow, who writes, Matchbox announced that every Matchbox toy and die-cast car including the packaging they come in, will be made with 100% recyclable plastics by 2030. This is part of a broader initiative across the entire Mattel Corporation. I actually didn't realize that Matchbox and Hot Wheels were under the same roof. Maybe they didn't used to be and there was a merger at some point, but today I learned something new. Anyway, uh, the entire Mattel Corporation plans to make all products and packaging from fully recyclable plastics by 2030, so expect similarly sustainable products to come from Hot Wheels in the future. The first toy under this initiative will fittingly be a die cast of the new Tesla Roadster, 
which will be on sale in 2022. They're referring to the toy and hopefully also the car, but we don't, of course, we don't know for sure with the car just yet. Uh, The Matchbox Roadster is made from 99% recycled materials, and they break it down. 62.1% recycled zinc, 36.9% recycled plastic, and 1% not recycled stainless steel. So the car here, if you're curious, because this is an audio podcast, you can't see it. I, I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but you don't you don't have a picture to look at at the moment. The toy is white, which I found interesting because that is one of the colors that Tesla has shown us of the Roadster so far. It's what the rolling mule prototype that Tesla has has uh, quite literally rolled out at a couple of events has has been. It's white, and the toy has the roof the removable roof on. Uh, and on this toy, it's not removable like it will be on the real car. And it is on the, you know, what is it? $175 big 118th scale die cast uh, toy that you can buy for, I don't even, it's not even a toy really. It's a, it's just a 118th scale model that you can purchase directly from the, the Tesla online shop. But yeah, uh, the point here is we now know that at least some version of the Tesla Roadster will be out next year. Hopefully, the full one to full scale one to one size version will join the Matchbox version that uh, that rolls out next year. Now, if you're curious, there are, it's not just the Roadster that's in part of this this first wave of uh, of fully sustainably made Matchbox toys. The other cars in that group include, I think you'll sense a theme here. The BMW i8, a BMW i3, and a Nissan Leaf. So again, pretty clear theme there. Sustainable cars, sustainable energy cars being the first round of sustainably made Matchbox. Now I had one other optimistic thought on the back of this. Between the Cybertruck having multiple Hot Wheels remote controlled toys, as well as this new Matchbox Roadster, and... Note here, these are toys for two Tesla vehicles that really aren't even that close to being out yet. For for a toy that's, I mean, the Cybertruck toys are out now. The Matchbox toys coming next year alongside, hopefully, the car. But what I'm hoping this means is that Tesla has now fully opened the doors to licensing again. Because if we're that lucky it means that we might finally see one or more Teslas in either the next Forza Motorsport game, which is uh, being in, it's, it's, a, it's a reboot. They're not calling it Forza Motorsport 8. It is just Forza Motorsport rebooting for the next generation Xbox Series X as well as PC. And or maybe we'll see Teslas in Gran Turismo 7, which is like most Gran Turismo games over the years. Still in development. There's, uh, the, they, they do not, uh, those do not come out very often, but when they do, they tend to be fantastic simulation racing games. That's in the works for PlayStation 5. Because really, it is, at this point, long past time for Teslas to get back into video games. I mean, between the Roadster, the Cybertruck, the Plaid Model S, and hey, even the Model 3 Performance... There is a lot of great stuff that I would love to drive around from the Tesla fleet in these video games. So I suppose we're going to find out sometime next year 
because uh, in the case of both Forza Motorsport and Gran Turismo 7, neither of them have release dates. And I can give you my professional opinion. These are not facts, but this is my take on it. I don't think either Forza or GT7 are going to make it out this year. So hopefully next year we got the toys. Hopefully we'll get the games and hopefully we'll get the real Cybertruck and the real Tesla Roadster as well. Okay, moving on. Tesla's latest vehicle safety report is out. You'll recall that they post these quarterly. Tesla writes on the blog, in the first quarter of 2021, we registered one accident for every 4.19 million miles driven in which drivers had autopilot engaged. In other words, one basically one in four million, one accident in every four million miles for uh, cars with autopilot turned on. For those driving without autopilot, but with our active safety features, we registered one accident for every 2.05 million miles driven. For those driving without autopilot and without our active safety features, we registered one accident for every 978,000 miles driven. And by comparison, NHTSA's most recent data shows that in the United States, there is an automobile crash every 484,000 miles. So let me provide a little context here, because what we want to do is look at year over year comparing Q1 of last year to Q1 this year, because driving habits change. It's not necessarily apples to apples to compare Q4 when people are traveling for the holidays and it's winter to Q1 where it's winter heading into spring. So we'll compare Q1 over Q1. Now, that said, even doing that, there may have been fewer miles driven in Q1 of 2020 due to the pandemic hitting in March uh, when everything just basically stopped, just shut down compared to, I mean, yeah, we're still, we still have plenty of people working remotely in Q1 of this year. I'm, I'm one of them. But also on the flip side, there are quite a lot more Teslas on the road now than there were a year ago. About 500,000 more, in fact. So anyway, keep all that in mind. So again, let's, let's compare. We had in, 20, uh, in 2021 here, one accident for every 4.19 million miles driven with autopilot compared to Q1 last year, which was one accident for every 4.68 million miles driven in which auto, uh, drivers had autopilot engaged. And if we go to auto, uh, no autopilot, but with active safety features, uh, this year it's one accident for every 2.05 million miles and Q1 of 2020, it was pretty much the same, one for every 1.99 million miles driven. And then finally, the no autopilot, no active safety features, this Q1, one accident for every 978,000 miles driven, compared to this time a year ago, in that same situation, one accident for every 1.42 million miles driven. So, uh, that's actually mostly pretty flat at best, but down, or I guess maybe up at worst. Though again, again, remember the world pretty much stopped completely for the last, what, three, two, three weeks of Q1 2020. I mean, remember that at this point? I know it feels like five years ago and not just one years ago, but one year ago. 
Remember, though, there were there were air quality reports hitting in the early days of the pandemic that showed that air the, the air in places like Los Angeles were healthier than they had been in decades because there were simply almost literally no cars on the road. So that's uh, something else to factor. I mean, I'm still glad that Tesla continues to provide these numbers, don't get me wrong, because they're always interesting, particularly, I might add, as the fleet gets so much larger so quickly. But I'll say it once again, I do also wish that Tesla would provide more numbers and go deeper on this. But the overall takeaway that I think is fair here is that the autopilot system does continue to improve even as the fleet continues to grow. Like the numbers hold or improve despite the sample size getting larger and larger and larger. And it is simply a driver assistance system that is safer when you're using it than when you're not. I mean, that's kind of the bottom line ultimate takeaway. One final thought here. What will really be interesting to look at is whenever the city streets full self-driving software finally rolls out wide and has done so for an entire quarter. So if it goes wide in June, it'll be really fascinating to take a look at Q3 of this year and compare it to Q3 of 2020 to see what difference that makes in the numbers. Because that's, I mean, the data will be very different. You'll have full self-driving cars in cities that are making left turns and merging and driving down, you know, one-way streets with bicyclists and cars parked. I mean, it will be, you know, the data will be different, but that's, so it's in, in the sense that it's you know not going to be apples to apples like it is now, but even, but that, that difference will still be really interesting to look at, I think, because of that. Like, okay, the degree of difficulty on the on what the car is being asked to do is going way up. So what do the numbers look like in that, you know, in that compared to the previous quarter when it's just highway only? All righty. Next this week, some accolades and accomplishments from around the Tesla world. First, in Germany, the soon-to-be European home of Tesla, I might remind you, where according to the EV sales blog, the Model 3 was the number one selling electric vehicle in the just completed month of March, just edging out a car that I'm personally not familiar with, probably because it's not sold here in North America, but I presume that my European listeners out there are familiar with this thing, the Volkswagen E-Up, with an exclamation mark. So hold on, I didn't say that right. The Volkswagen E-Up. There, I think I, I think I pronounced it correctly that time. <laughs> anyway, uh, the import beat out the domestic on its home turf. There were 3,699 Model 3s sold in Germany in March with 3,599 E-Ups and 3,237 Hyundai Konas. Uh, the E-Up, if you're curious, is a very, very, very compact four-door hatchback that sells for 22,000 euros or about 26,500 US dollars. So quite a price difference between that and a Model 3 and the Model 3 still beat it out. I would say look for the Model Y to leap just like a cheetah, just leap to the top of this list by about this time next year once Giga Berlin is online and pumping out Model Y 2.0s, as I have been calling them. 
for not just Germany, but the rest of Europe as well. Now, hopefully the Model 3 continues to get a bit more separation from the rest of the pack as the months go on as well. All right, next up, Tesla scored a couple of awards from IHS Markets 25th Annual Automotive Loyalty Awards. A hat tip here to Tesla Rati, which is where I found this story. Now, if like me, you don't know who IHS Market is, and it's spelled M-A-R-K-I-T, or, you know, maybe if you don't know not just who they are, but or what they do, according to Google, IHS Market is an information services company that provides information, research, analytics, and technology to customers in major industries, financial markets, and governments, end quote. Anyway, they have apparently been doing this since the 90s, so now you're probably wondering, okay, well, what did Tesla win? Here's what they won. They won the highest loyalty to make in the alternative drivetrain category, which is a new category for this year. That went to Tesla. Now, if you're curious, without the caveat of alternative drivetrain, the overall general loyalty to make award went to Ford. Next, the Asian market loyalty went to Tesla for the first time. Uh, And finally, Tesla is a repeat winner in the highest conquest percentage, which according to Tesla Roddy is explained as such. Quote, the award relates to a brand's ability to capture non-loyal sales and convert them to loyal customers. Tesla was able to capture 16% of eligible volume in the segments it entered. So yeah, that's definitely a good award to nab. Quote, we hear a lot of people talk about the next generation of buyers and how everything's changing, said IHS market automotive business line leader Joe LaFerre by way of car and driver. Quote, this is nowhere more evident than in the loyalty rates we see with companies like Tesla. They've created a cult-like following of their brand and it's showing up in the way their consumers are coming back and staying loyal to them. End quote. What will be really interesting to see is if the Cybertruck ends up scoring any major awards or honors. I mean, I'm talking about everything from Truck of the Year at Motor Trend, which is a big prestigious award, on down to smaller, lesser known stuff. Like, will any design firm give it a design award? Because I expect it will not only win some best design awards from different places, but I'll bet it'll probably win some worst design awards too, because it's just that polarizing. You've seen it already in the community and online, just in general, even without seeing them in person, it is so polarizing. I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if it's taking home the automotive equivalent of both Oscars and Razzies. Uh, let's see here. One more globetrotting item here though this isn't really an award or recognition, but it is good news for my Australian friends. Tesla has dropped the price of the Model 3 by 4,000 Australian dollars, or roughly 3,000 US dollars. While Tesla Roddy speculates, and I do agree with them here, that this is likely due in at least some part, and quite likely a large part, to the cars just making a much shorter trip from Giga Shanghai, rather than being Fremont-built cars that are sent literally halfway around the world, thus increasing the transportation costs by a lot. The Model 3 Standard Range Plus now costs 62900 Australian, or about 48500 
in U.S. dollars. The so still it's quite a, that's that's ten grand more. The long range dual motor all wheel drive is now seventy seven thousand nine hundred Australian or about sixty thousand U.S. And the performance model three selling for eighty nine nine in Australia or about sixty nine k here in the U.S. Which in that case it's only uh it's only what's that one only got a seven hundred dollar price cut so not much of a difference there. If you want the performance, you're still going to pay a pretty uh, decent premium for it. Now, obviously, these prices are still a good bit higher than their U.S. counterparts. So uh, while this is good, significant progress, yes, I mean, 4,000 Australian, 3,000 U.S. is nothing to sneeze at. There is still a ways to go for Australia to reach pricing parity with the U.S. I mean, I'm not sure if that's ever going to happen. Just given that it's probably unlikely that Australia is going to get their own gigafactory, that's, or at least anything that's any closer to them than Shanghai. Still, though, I am happy for my for any of my Australian listeners out there for whom this price cut might now put one of these Model Threes into their budget. Finally, this week, I know episode two ninety seven just a couple of shows ago was almost entirely about superchargers. This week brings just one note, one really notable new supercharger location, and that is the first supercharger in Hawaii. It's in Oahu, and here's the post from the same supercharger detective that I mentioned on episode 297, Marco RP from the Tesla Motors Club. Marco's from Montreal. And he writes, quote, Hawaii's first public supercharger will be built at Pearl Ridge Center in Aiea, Hawaii. Credit goes to Taryn Apart on Tesla Motors Club for the fine. So I just wanted to say congratulations to the Tesla Owners Club of Hawaii. I expect they'll be doing a club event there uh, when they, when they, you know, as the vaccine rolls out and they start doing more in-person events. That is awesome news that Hawaii gets its first supercharger. All right, stick with me. I will be back with plenty of your excellent Ride the Lightning hotline phone calls. We'll talk more Tesla right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. And we have arrived at the Ride the Lightning hotline portion of the podcast where you can call in and be a part of the show. Ask your Tesla question, comment, discussion, topic, what have you. There are two easy ways that you can call in, and I invite you to do so. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record that question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get through as many calls each week as possible, and then email that file over to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can use the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number. You can call in anytime, day or night. Leave a message. It's nice and easy. The number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. If you'd like to learn more, visit lifeonrecord.com. Here's Brian from Minneapolis to kick us off. Hi, Ryan. This is Brian calling from Minneapolis. I had a really uh, interesting question, I thought, uh, related to the Tesla full self-driving subscription model that they want to introduce. 
uh, hopefully in May. Um, as I had mentioned on previous calls, I had no intention of paying the uh, $10,000 uh, to do the full self-driving package, um, and I do have hardware 2.5 on my Model 3 Standard Range Plus. Uh, my question is this. Do you think when that subscription package comes out, for people that currently have the hardware 2.5 uh, in their vehicles, do you think that Tesla is going to wait to charge them when they have the hardware 3? Do you think Tesla is going to charge more for people uh, to upgrade to the hardware 3 and then the subscription costs? I was just curious on how you think they're going to handle uh, the subscription pricing model when it relates to hardware 2.5 vehicles and and uh, how those are going to have to be upgraded to Hardware 3 to take full advantage of the package. Thanks, and have a great day. Brian, that is a fantastic question that I confess I had not considered, though I should have, so thank you very much for calling in with it. If it's a yearly subscription, then I think Tesla will probably just go ahead and upgrade you. I don't know anything for sure, but that's just what my gut tells me. I think the financial calculus would probably be worth it for them at that point. But if it's a month-to-month -month subscription, that's a head-scratcher, honestly. That means they could get people subbing for one month and getting a, a Hardware 3 upgrade, which might be a situation where Tesla loses money, and they're obviously not going to want to do that. There's another option, too, which won't make people happy, but for that very cost reason, I could see them uh, doing it, and that is requiring Hardware 3 for the subscription model. Basically, every car from roughly March of 2019 onwards has, has a Hardware 3, a.k.a. the full self-driving computer. So from there, if you were to take the number of Autopilot 2.0 plus cars left, then take out the people who've already paid full freight for the FSD package and thus got their upgrade, and then take the realistic percentage of those people who are left who would opt for the subscription model, Tesla might look at that and decide, eh, maybe it's not worth the hassle, and just go ahead and decide to require the Hardware 3 computer for the FSD subscription. I'm not saying that they will or that they should, but just thinking it through, they might. I am now very curious to find out. So, Brian, thank you very much for calling in with that. Let me go to Scott in Des Moines, Iowa up next. Hey, Ryan, this is Scott from Des Moines, Iowa. I've been a listener of yours for about two years and have followed and wanted a Tesla since about 2013. It looks like my financial stars are aligning, and it looks to be about time to finally purchase a Tesla. I currently have a Cybertruck on order and am around 1.9 millionth in line and I'm looking to get a Tesla in the interim period. A few questions for you. One, from what I've noticed, Tesla is selling a lot of used Model 3s on their website with the acceleration boost and full self-driving. This drives the price up on them and is close to the price of a new model without full self-driving. With a subscription-based model of full self-driving coming out soon, what would you recommend in this situation? Bear in mind that the subscription-based model would be an add-on and not affect the MSRP of the vehicle and wouldn't contribute to my annual registration in my state. Two, do you know anything about the new infrastructure bill coming out? I've heard it may be a tax rebate or an immediate rebate, dropping the price no matter what someone's tax situation is. That is the primary reason I haven't purchased a Model Y yet. When it comes to it, do you know how it will work? Do you know if it happened before, if it was on delivery, or is it on order? I just don't know how it works. So do you know anything about it? 
Thanks for all you do for this community, and I'm hoping to join this community soon. Thanks. Hey, Scott, thank you for calling in, and I will do my best to help you. Second question first. I personally would not wait on the EV tax credit to return. It might, but there's no way to know when that might happen, and if it does, what form it will ultimately take. I believe what's been proposed is a tax credit, however, and not a point-of-purchase rebate. I suspect it will stay that way, uh, should it once again return, but again, that is just my, my sort of best guess for it. If you are a patient man and you can wait it out, uh, you are welcome to do so, and that might literally pay off for you. But again, personally, I wouldn't hold my breath. Particularly, you know, another thing to keep in mind, as your gas-powered car continues to cost you money on fuel and potentially maintenance. You know, I don't know what you have, how old it is, what condition it's in, etc. But now with regard to your used Model 3 question, the good news is that mileage isn't really a concern on a used electric vehicle, be it a Tesla or anything else. Unlike a gas car, the first owner could have driven that Model 3 like they stole it, and it wouldn't really cause any excess wear and tear on the car. I mean, basically, as long as the previous owner didn't make a habit of either charging it to 100% and leaving it all the time, or leaving it under like 10% all the time, as long as the battery was reasonably cared for, you're pretty much golden. In your case, the subscription option might make a lot of sense since you intend to, you said you intend to own the car for a couple of years until your turn comes up in the Cybertruck order uh, queue there. So all things being equal, I'd probably take the new car with the monthly, uh, you know, the month-to-month full self-driving subscription there. Though I suppose you might as well wait one more month as we sit here in in mid-April or so when that subscription option finally arrives so that you can see what the exact pricing details are on that. Good luck in your search and have fun shopping. I trust you will. You're going to have fun. Next up is Ronald from Edmonton. Welcome, Ronald. Hi, Ryan. Ronald Kelly here from Edmonton, Canada. Longtime listener, first-time caller. My question's about toying with the Model Y. We don't yet own a Tesla, but my wife and I are leaning toward the Y. Why? Because we want to take an epic trip across the country with a modest trailer in tow. We have our eye on a 3,000-pound unit that's within the WISE-rated 3,500 towing capacity, leaving 500 pounds for my Star Wars action figures collection. My question has two parts. Number one, what about FSD? Have been wondering if it's worth it in general, and will it work with towing? That could be a huge advantage here. Number two, charging when towing. Is it possible to leave the trailer hooked up when charging, or should I expect to unhook every time? Being Canadian, politeness is next to godliness, but if we can leave the trailer hooked up at least some of the time, that would be a huge advantage, I would imagine. Love to know what you and all the wonderful Tesla community can tell us on this topic. Thanks for all you do, Ryan, and give Daisy a friendly pat from the Great White North for us. Thanks. Ronald, thank you very much for your call. Uh, I'm afraid the answer to your first question regarding towing seems to be no. What I'm about to read you is from Tesla's website on the Model Y towing package support page. It reads in quote, Trailer mode must always be active when towing a trailer. 
Some autopilot features such as auto park and auto steer, which is basically autopilot, as well as rear parking sensor functionality may not be available when trailer mode is enabled. In addition, the following features operate differently. Traffic aware cruise control increases the following distance from the vehicle in front of you. Side collision warnings are active, but emergency braking, excuse me, but automatic steering interventions are disabled. The braking force provided by automatic emergency braking may be limited. Therefore, stopping distance may increase, end quote. Uh, I want to welcome any Model Y owners out there who have towed trailers to call in and offer any personal perspective on this or to correct me if I've uh, misinterpreted Tesla's information here. But it does sound like the official Tesla answer is no dice on that. Second, Ronald, uh, regarding supercharging, the answer there is sometimes. Many chargers are back-end chargers that will likely require you to unhook your trailer, but some of them, particularly a lot of the newer ones, are pull-forward spots that you should be able to get into without disconnecting your trailer. And the good news, too, is that even with some of the back-end chargers, you may find that the supercharger station that you're going to is empty enough where you could just pull alongside them and block a few of them and not have to unhook your, your trailer. Now, obviously, out of, I say that before anybody <laughs> there, before anybody's hackles go up, out of respect and courtesy to your fellow Tesla drivers, please only ever do that if there are a lot of open stalls at the charging location. And if you do, please don't stray too far from your car in case other folks do pull up and you end up needing to move your Y and the trailer out of the way to free up those spots. But I hope that helps. Have fun shopping for your Model Y, and thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Let me go now to Carrie in Northridge, California. Hey, Ryan. This is Carrie in Northridge, California. Longtime listener, first-time caller. And I'm calling about a, an Easter egg that Tesla Rati disclosed on April 11th. That is, if you use the voice command open butthole, the charge port door opens. The same for closed butthole. What I discovered is that you can open and close the charge port with the command open a-hole, or the cruder version of that. You can even open it with the command open tushy. Thought your listeners might appreciate knowing that. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Carrie, that is hilarious. I have to say, I contemplated making this the pro tip of the week this week, except that it's not really a tip. It's just a hilarious Easter egg. So this is one where I don't have anything to add to this, except that I think uh, after this call, every single Tesla owner listening to this is pressing the pause button on this podcast right now to run down to their cars in the garage to try this out. The um, <clears throat> cheeky sense of humor of Tesla's software team is on display once again. Although, you know, if you really think about it, this one's hilarious, but it kind of doesn't make sense because, sure, the charge port's in the back of the car, but uh, most organic creatures I know don't replenish their energy through the... Uh, through that port, if you will, they it's more of a of a of an expel waste port. But anyway, I'm obviously overthinking it. It's just a goofy thing that the engineers did. 
it is uh it's pretty funny to be able to give that voice command to your car and have it respond did i go down to my garage did i press pause on on your call and go down and try it yes i did did i giggle yes i did now the only thing i'm left to wonder is 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 that indeed the colloquial name that Tesla engineers use to refer to the charging port at the company? I would presume so. Uh, thank you very much, Carrie, for calling in with this. That is definitely an Easter egg that gave me a good laugh. I appreciate it. Uh, let's talk to Marquise from Los Angeles about the Cybertruck. Hey, Ryan, this is Marquise from Los Angeles. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. I've been around for probably the past 200 episodes or so. Um, my question slash concern uh, is the new Cybertruck. I am, uh, like everyone else, can't wait to get my hands on one, but I noticed the photos um, that came out of the interior had uh, carpeted lining at the bottom. So I plan to get my truck nice and dirty, but I was really hoping for something that would be easier to wash. Um, as you can tell from the massive floor, that I will definitely have to have a vacuum, uh, handheld vacuum cleaner handy at all times to keep it clean or purchase probably a $500 set of WeatherTech floor mats. But uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Thanks a lot. Appreciate the show. Great job. Marquise, thank you for your call. Uh, as I talked about last week, I suspect at least a couple of interior components are probably going to change from the prototype that we've seen to the final production truck. I had mentioned the Alcantara headliner being, in my opinion, unlikely to make it into production, and then maybe that unique marble paper dashboard piece as well. Uh, I completely see your point about carpeting, but I suspect the carpeting's probably gonna make it into production. Maybe Tesla will offer a like rugged interior package that offers rubber floors and footwells and has drain plugs in the floors so that you can literally hose out the interior. And maybe even that package would have a, a different seat material as well. In fact, I hope they do that. Uh, my gut says the odds of that are maybe 50-50. I think there's probably an equal chance that they'll just build every Cybertruck interior the same way and instead look to all-weather floor mats as an, as an aftermarket solution there. The good news is that we should start to get answers to unanswered questions like this in the next six to nine months or so. Oren from North Carolina is next. Welcome, Oren. Hello, Ryan. This is Oren from North Carolina. And I'm a future Tesla Roadster owner. I love the show. I listen to it every week. I wanted to talk to you about the Cybertruck dashboard material. You know, that marble paper thing that they removed from the prototype? Well, I think Tesla will or should add that as an option when they sell the truck. Because I think people would buy it. Like, they could combine it with a premium interior, a luxury interior, and sell it for a few thousand dollars. I think a lot of people would buy it. I know I would if I was buying a Cybertruck. And so I just wanted to hear what you think about that. Thanks. I am totally with you, Oren, and I hope you're right that and that they do offer it either standard or as part of like a premium interior upgrade package. You just heard the last caller where I was talking about like an extra rugged interior package, but a premium interior upgrade package as another option would be great too 
maybe what would be cool to go in that as well would be some like cyberpunk style neon ambient lighting inside the car, along with, of course, that cool marble style dashboard and maybe white seats as well. So here's hoping Tesla does it and doesn't just keep things incredibly simple and limited when it comes to interior choices in the Cybertruck. JG from Maryland is up next. Hi, Ryan. This is JG from Maryland, and I'm calling, first of all, just caught your latest podcast. It's great to hear that we're moving uh, Daisy in the right direction. We continue to keep, uh, keep her in our thoughts. I just had my mother-in-law come by, and she's convinced that she wants to buy a Model Y, but she's got a make-or-break situation of whether or not it has a HEPA filter. Now, I know that the Chinese, the Shanghai-made Model Y, are making HEPA filters, but I'm wondering if you or anyone has any insight as to either how long something like that would take to cross from, from one factory to another, or if you had any inside lines if the HEPA filter is coming to the Model Y, at least those made in three months. Anyway, thanks again for a great podcast. Thanks for the positivity and wishing you all the best. JG, thank you very much for the call and the kind words. Well, I can certainly respect your mother-in-law's position here. The bad news is that I don't have any inside track on if or when bioweapon defense mode might come to the Fremont-built Model Ys. The good news, though, is twofold. First, as you correctly noted, things have pretty much always come across the Pacific to Fremont after debuting in Shanghai. Two recent examples of this include the revised center console, and, more recently, the revised door panels in the interior. So if we go by that historical track record, there is a good chance that not only will the bioweapon defense mode come to the US-built version of the Model Y, but given that it first started showing up right when the Shanghai Model Y went into production in the very beginning of this year, then we might see it soon. Uh, secondly, if she decides to go ahead right now, there's another option. You could just put in a HEPA filter for her by buying one. They have them on the Teslarati marketplace. You could find that at shop.teslarati.com slash RTL. They are 99 bucks. So one way or the other, hopefully she ends up happy, and I hope that helps you. Renee from Azusa, California is up next. Go ahead, Renee. Hi, my name's Renee. I live in Azusa, California. I own a 2019 Tesla Model 3 Standard Plus. Um, responding to a previous listener from last week who talked about interior lighting. I was interested in upgrading my lighting to something brighter and maybe more colorful till I realized that the footwell lights didn't work in my Tesla. So I thought it was something broken. I set up a service, uh, and what I got back from service was the fact that my Tesla doesn't have the premier interior. And subsequently, since I don't have premier interior, I don't get the lights. Frankly, I think this is sort of chinchy. And I think Tesla could at least give us the lights I understand about the leather interior and in white. I preferred the black, but I think there's a safety issue here, and I think they should reconsider switching on the 
footwell lights. Well, that's my opinion. What's yours? Thank you. You know, honestly, I think it is a bit of a silly thing to not include with the standard range plus Model 3s. I get that Tesla needs to hold back something to account for the lower price they're charging on that car, but really, the battery is the big one. That's really what accounts for the overwhelming majority of the price difference and the value difference as well. The ambient lighting in the interior does seem like a bit of a trivial item to hold back and call it a partial premium interior, but as you heard, I think it was on last week's show, it looks like Elon and the team might be taking another look at what software unlockable upgrades they can offer through the Tesla app for standard range plus owners. Thanks so much for your call. Going now to Robert in Texas. Hey, Ryan, it's Robert from Texas again, and I've got a comment on the crash in Texas in the woodlands uh, with apparently someone not in the front seat. Um, and I just had a suggestion. Why doesn't Tesla just put in the software? Uh, if Because I know through the airbag technology, they can tell the weight and distribution of someone in the front seat. So obviously they know if someone is not in the front seat or if someone to put some kind of weight in the front seat or something silly like that. But why don't they just make the software so if no one's in the front seat, the car doesn't run or it basically slows down from there. I don't see why they don't do that. Uh, it seems like a pretty simple software update um, so that if more crazy people try and do something like this, they can't do it. Thank you. Bye. Hey, Robert. Well, unfortunately, people do dangerous things in every kind of car, but it only seems to make the news when it involves a Tesla. It's that double-edged sword of they get a lot of publicity in good ways that, that other companies wouldn't get, like for little software upgrades and things they do. But then they also get uh, a lot of, you know, they get magnified bad coverage when something bad happens as well. You know, I, I didn't cover this in the regular news section of the show today on purpose, because honestly, it is just a tornado of FUD around this, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. But if you haven't heard about it out there, if you're listening, the short version is that two uh, not young men, I, I read this and thought it would have been like two teenagers, but no, is, uh, two actually older gentlemen were killed when their Model S crashed at high speed and uh, burned up in a private community, private street in Texas, autopilot was not involved. So that's, I'm not going to get into it because it's just, this thing's gotten uh, so ridiculously out of control. I mean, the bottom line is this was a couple of people, you know, it's, there may or may not have been someone in the driver's seat when the car crashed. So that kind of gives you an idea. This was a, this was a, a, uh, let's call it an operator error. I think that's probably fair to say there was, if there's nobody in the driver's seat, that's not great, but uh, yeah, I didn't cover this because it's just not, you know, it's it's getting so far out of out of proportion that it's it's a it's an unfortunate tragedy that cost two men their lives that you know, people that have families and loved ones. But um, the, the, here's the thing: so I agree that it does seem like that the car could cut power and slow down if nobody's detected in the driver's seat. You are correct that the seat senses if there's weight in it. Remember, Elon just told us, what, a week or two ago about that new seat comfort feature they're working on that will adjust the seat's bolster position to you automatically. He also 
uh, talked about on Joe Rogan, I believe it was, about the airbags being tweaked over the air by software to know exactly where you are in the seat. So anyway, uh, yeah, I wonder if something like that could be done here. I don't know if there'd be some way around that, but you know, it's certainly something I'm sure the Tesla's looking at. Uh, the, the bottom line too, or at least not the bottom line, but you do have to give Tesla the benefit of the doubt in the sense that they make objectively, not subjectively, objectively the best, the safest cars on the planet. So, and that, that was uh, not enough for these two gentlemen for what the, the behavior that they were engaged in with what is a very powerful vehicle. So it's unfortunate that their lives were lost, but this, the whole story is, is gone completely out of control. I'm, I'm personally very disappointed in consumer reports of all, of all outlets kind of, uh, I don't, I don't know if capitalizing on it is the wrong term, but of kind of jumping into this by putting, I mean, I don't even want to get into it because it's, again, I'll call out Tesla when I think it's warranted, which I, you know, I just did that last week with the solar roof tile stuff. But this story, this tragedy of these two guys that, that crashed their ass and, and lost their lives, this, uh, this one is unfair to Tesla. The, the situation here, this is, Tesla is not in the wrong on this by every account. Every fact we have about this so far, this is not a Tesla problem. This was a, this was a driver issue. But thank you very much for your call. And I do agree, uh, if, if Tesla hasn't already looked at a feature like that, I'm sure they're taking a look now to see what might be doable. All right, couple more calls this week. Let me go to Matt in Chicago up next. Hey there, Ryan. Matt Cusick here in Chicago. A big fan of your work uh, professionally that you've done over the years. And it's so cool that you have a Tesla podcast. And I must admit that I had to stop listening for a while because a few years back, I was ready to be a day one deposit maker on the Model 3. However, about a month before the deposits opened up, the company that I worked for at the time announced that they were going to make an electric car, so I held off. Well, either way, long story short, they never made that electric car, and now I am the proud owner of a Model Y. Wife and I finally, uh, some investments came in, and we finally were able to be fortunate enough to be owners of a Y. We upgraded to the turbine wheels, and everybody says how much the turbine wheels stick out from the tire, and we have rash marks on all four. What's the best way? I've had some people tell me that there's some plastic dip paint that we can kind of try. What is the best way to rehab those wheels? Thanks for everything that you do. Really appreciate it. So glad that I could finally listen to the podcast again without the pang of jealousy of not being a Tesla owner. Loving my wife so far. Thank you, man. Matt, thank you for your call and welcome back. Congratulations on your Model Y, though I'm sorry to hear about your wheels. Honestly, I would take them to a good wheel shop. You could search Yelp. You could search the Midwest slash Great Lakes sub forum on Tesla Motors Motors Club's community section. That's a bit of a mouthful. And maybe see between those two, see if you can find a good, reputable shop who can properly get them sanded down, repaired, and repainted. I'll bet, I don't actually know, but... I. Because I had this done on my last car before my Model 3, and I feel like it was like 150 a wheel, but that's with insane San Francisco Bay Area prices where the labor rates are through the roof. In fact, I just 
what, yesterday? Stopped into a Tesla service center. Uh, I'll talk more about service center later. I was actually, I guess I was at the service center twice this week, once for an appointment and once as a drop-in, but I was there. I dropped in to buy a badge because I just, you know, I had the my, my uh, hood film, paint protection film redone by Immaculate Reflections. And you can't really re-stick a badge once it's been taken off. It, it doesn't hold very well. So I had to go. I went in there just to buy another badge. And the labor rate posted on the wall for all customers to see, I think, was $195 an hour. So the point is, uh, if if my old $150 a wheel quote from years back was correct here in the San Francisco area, it's probably cheaper than that in most other areas of the country. So anyway, I'll bet then it might be, you know, a hundred-ish a wheel or so. So maybe if that helps you. One future tip. If your side view mirrors aren't already set to tilt down when you put the car in reverse, I highly recommend enabling that option in the menu. Between that, the guiding lines on the backup camera and the repeater cameras that you can also pull up with the backup camera now after, what was that? That software update was... Uh, six between six months and a year ago, it should help give you better visibility to avoid having this happen to you again. Good luck, Matt. And the final caller this week, last but most certainly not least, is Art from Westchester. Hi, Ryan. This is Art from Westchester, and I want to talk about an issue that I've had since I initially bought the uh, my Model Three. I've got a narrow driveway which uh, has maybe about six or seven inches of clearance on the right side and the left side of the car. Whenever I try to use summon, uh, sometimes I can get the car out of the driveway and I'm sorry, out of the garage and into the garage. And most times I can't without doing it repeatedly, just over and over again. In other words, it starts, it stops, it starts, it stops. Um, I have adjusted the, the clearance settings to uh, enable uh, the tight uh, function to allow it in the narrow driveway, but it still does not work. I love my car, but this is an extremely frustrating thing for me, and I wish that Tesla would do something about it. Uh, thanks again, Ryan. Bye. Nice to hear from you, Art. I think everyone's hope is that Smart Summon, and by extension, Regular Summon, will be getting a big revamp after the full self-driving stuff is rolled out. Because from what just about any of us regular users can tell, it seems like those functions haven't changed at all. That is, they haven't improved in a very, very long time. And it's understandable that they would get backburnered when the autopilot team has limited resources and they're neck deep in solving the challenge that is one of the fundamental pillars of Tesla now, which is autonomy. I'm curious if your driveway might be inclined a bit because Summon isn't supposed to work at all on inclines. Tesla does state that up front. I mean, maybe you're like right on the borderline for the system where it'll work for you sometimes, but it's maybe not reliably. Sorry, I can't be more helpful on this, but hopefully that gets you thinking about it uh, a little differently, maybe. Thanks, Art. Thanks to everybody who called in. Again, feel free to drop me a line anytime. I gave you the two easy ways that you can do that at the top of this segment. So I look forward to your call. And in the meantime, stick with me. There is some more podcasts for you. I'll tell you about my service center experience this past week, as well as the pro tip of the week coming up right after this. 
as for me, as I am now getting ready to depart for Arizona via the Spirit of Adventure, and I'm bringing Daisy with me, I want to, of course, get everything ready for the car. I've got my tire patch kit ready just in case. Hopefully I won't need it. Going to get everything packed up. Uh, the thing I wanted to address was my strange post-supercharging autopilot behavior. I've talked about this on the podcast before. Service wasn't able to help me the last time I brought it in for this, which actually wasn't too long ago, but it happened again. So uh, it was when I was uh, driving to get my second vaccine, whenever that, I guess, what, two, yeah, two weeks ago, because now I'm 14 days post-vaccine, so I'm all, all vaccinated and ready to go down and visit my also vaccinated parents. Haven't seen them in over a year, so that'll be good. But uh, I wanted to get this autopilot problem looked at and, and fixed. So when it happened last time, I made sure to save the dash cam videos. And I even, at one point, I, on one of them, I took a, an iPhone video, which I know isn't the safest thing to do, but it would show a different perspective. And so uh, when I submitted the, the request for the service appointment, I explained things very clearly and in detail. And they actually gave me an email address and said, could you, could you email you know, links to the videos here? So I did that. And I thought, okay, I've provided them video evidence. They're, here we go. Hopefully I can finally get some resolution on this. They can figure out what's going on. Because if, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, if you didn't hear it or what have you, I've had this issue because you know, I haven't supercharged much over the last year because of the pandemic. And uh, which really, it kind of comes back to, I haven't supercharged much since I got my hardware three upgrade early last year, like right in the beginning of the pandemic. And it had happened to me once because I only supercharged like one time sometime last year and kind of just shrugged it off and thought, okay, this is just a weird glitch. You know, hopefully it won't happen again. But then it has happened again, but not every single time after I supercharge. And what the issue is, is I it's only after I supercharge, but not every time, but sometimes I'll put autopilot back on, you know, supercharge, jump back on the freeway and turn autopilot back on. And it's the, the autopilot starts ping ponging in the lane. In some cases, it has been so bad that it's it's swerving literally out of the lane, like into the adjacent lane and then back and out of that lane on the other side. It's clearly not supposed to happen. It's just behavior that should not happen. It didn't used to happen. And so took it into service because I was hoping that, you know, whether they would replace the autopilot computer, whether they would replace some sensors, whatever the the solution would end up being that I could get this solved before I take a, a you know, 800 mile road trip to Phoenix. But unfortunately, I left the car with them for the day and they called me in the middle of the afternoon and said, well, sorry, it's just, you know, there's nothing abnormal, no error codes that we could find. And I mean, the, the, the Tesla woman, the person on the phone, she was very nice. I mean, I could tell she was very apologetic and she said, oh, you know, if it's really an issue, you can call the company and, and try to get your autopilot refunded. And it's like, well, no, I'm, I'm not looking for that. I, it does work great most of the time, but it's just, it's, I guess what I'm frustrated about is it's not service themselves. It's that they're, 
I mean, maybe it's partially serviced themselves because I provided video evidence of this, but there doesn't seem to be a way that I can escalate this and get some engineers at HQ looking at it to say, look, here's some weird behavior. What is this? I mean, I Googled it to see if anybody else has had this problem. I couldn't really find anything. So I don't know. I mean, the only silver lining is that I've noticed that a uh, if I push in the two scroll wheels and, and reset the car, uh, which of course you can do while you're driving, it seems to fix the behavior. So I don't know what's causing it. If it's thermal related somehow, because it's right after a supercharging session when the battery's getting warmed up to for the proper charging, ideal charging temperature or what, but still super frustrating, very annoying, but I guess I'm stuck with it for a while. So I don't know if I've got any Tesla engineers listening to this, like battery engineers, thermal engineers, autopilot team members. I would love to hear from you. Tesla podcast at gmail.com is the email address. But anyway, that's that. Uh, okay. This week's pro tip of the week comes from Chris. Hi, Ryan. Appreciate the show and all the hard work that you put in to make it what it is. Uh, I think I have a pro tip here. It's regards to supercharging. So when I when I go to a supercharger and plug in, um, it it locks the steering wheel so you can't rotate the steering wheel freely, which you really shouldn't be able to. But I have, uh, I forget where I got it from, maybe EV Annex or somewhere, but it's a, it's a little like a laptop desk table that hooks to your steering wheel and it's completely removable and temporary but it's super functional especially if you're doing paperwork while uh, you know while you're charging but the key is you have to have the steering wheel turned um, I would say 180 degrees for it to hook on correctly so I'll, every time I get in and supercharge I always forget yeah so it's either you go out and unhook re-engage the car turn the wheel and then plug back in or what I found is if you go in your menu and you go to launch beach buggy racer it re-engages your steering wheel to well, the power steering to the steering wheel so you can turn it to whatever direction you want then just exit right out of it and put your put your desk stand on you never have to uh, unhook supercharging or anything so for the s- small group of people out there that this will help uh good good luck to you thanks sir. bye Thank you for that, Chris. That's actually a good plug for the desk wedge, which a friend of mine, Arash Malik, makes and sells. He's in the Tesla Owners Club of Silicon Valley. It's a custom-made wood piece that hooks onto your steering wheel, no tools required, and it lets you prop a laptop up there and work comfortably from the driver's seat of your Tesla. If you are interested in that, you can find that on the Teslarati Marketplace at shop.teslarati.com slash RTL. Chris, I appreciate this pro tip. Thank you very much. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week about their car that they want to share with the fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, you can send that in the very same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. Okie doke. Let me plug a few friends of the podcast before I get out of here, although I know I'm already running a little long this week, so I'll try to make this quick. First, the snap plate, the front license plate bracket. If you need one of those, you know, the, the what comes with the Model 3 and the Y anyway is one that uses double-sided automotive tape. So if you don't want to tape something, if you need a front plate on your 3 or Y and don't want to tape it onto your paint, maybe grab a snap plate 
because it is nice and clean, minimalist, and it will it goes on securely, but it'll come off easily if you want it to. Get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. They have them for the S and the X as well, but just using the three and the Y as an example there. Meanwhile, abstractocean.com, your Costco for all your Tesla needs, except there's no membership required, no annual membership fee for abstractocean.com. Whether you're grabbing the tempered glass screen protectors or the, uh, what else? There's a million things. The rear footwell lighting kit, the cup holder stabilizer, the center console wrap kits, all that stuff and way, way more. Just browse around, take a look, abstractocean.com and pile everything you want into your shopping cart and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout and you will get 15% off of your first order. That's RTLPODCAST with no space. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, you can find them irdetailing.com. That's how you get in touch with Jeff and you can see more of his services and information there. But if you and ideally your car with you are either in the San Francisco Bay Area or going to be here, I cannot recommend Immaculate Reflections enough to get some get a spa day for your car, whether you want to do some paint correction, some paint protection film, some, uh, let's see, the ceramic coating, of course. I've been asked by Jeff to, to uh, politely let everybody know that he is booking up fast right now. So if it's something you're thinking about, I just want to let you know, you want to get in touch with him sooner rather than later so that you can get on his calendar uh, before you know he really starts to back up because he's, he's a talented guy. He, does, he gets busy. I think... Uh, you know, it's worth it. That's really what I would say. It's worth it. IRDetailing.com. PureTesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. It's $49 for the 128 gigabyte kit or $69 for the 256 gigabyte kit. Whichever one you order, it will be shipped free anywhere in the United States and it comes fully formatted and ready to go. Just plug and play, tear open the package, take it out, put it straight into your car and you are good to go. You will have cameras watching over your car at all times. Cannot recommend this enough. PureTesla.com slash RTL. Meanwhile, Jada and their product line that continues to expand. I'm a big fan of Jada, particularly the wireless charging pad. For the Model 3, but of course the newer Model 3s, the brand new Model 3s, have a Tesla wireless charger built in. But Jada offers some other neat stuff as well, most notably the USB hub that will add some additional USB ports. Nice and sort of, it'll look very stock, it'll look very factory down in the, like the forwardmost wall inside your center console. So you got some extra USB ports down there, including a couple of USB-C ports as well. So you can grab that. You could grab the Jada SSD drive that plugs into the uh, Jada USB hub if you wanna do that. And now the Jada tray, which will wire, which organizes your center console with a tray and including that in that tray, it will wirelessly charge your AirPods, or your Pixel Buds, it's pretty cool. So any of that, all of that, please uh, make sure to A, use the coupon code RTL to get a little discount if you're buying any of that. 
And then B, please use my referral link because uh, full transparency, they'll throw a few bucks from the sale my way if you come in through my referral link. That link is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada spelled J-E-D-A. Finally, I got to plug the Patreon. That is the primary way in which I am able to keep this podcast going and sort of justify the, the time and energy investment that goes into it. Now, the Patreon, as I have mentioned to you before, it is purely voluntary. It will always be. The show will always be free. You don't have to do anything. You can just keep listening. But if you are willing and able, whether it's today, tomorrow, next week, or next month, I would be humbled and grateful if you might take a look at my Patreon page and consider a pledge. Those pledges start at just five bucks a month. And in return, you'll not only be supporting me, you'll get early access to each week's episode. There are additional perks and little bonuses that are tied to the higher tiers as well. You heard me mention the monthly Google Hangout with me uh, that happens. That's at the maximum plaid tier. So just take a look at everything if you if you wouldn't mind sometime. The website there is patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I'm on just about every major podcast service, so you can follow me on whichever one is most convenient for you, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and then you've got the two that are in the car, so you can get me in two places within the car. That's TuneIn and Spotify Premium as well. You can also find me on YouTube. It's just audio only. There's no actual video, but if you do want to listen via YouTube, if that's convenient for you, you can just search Ride the Lightning Tesla you'll find my channel and you can easily subscribe there. That will about do it. If you want to follow me on either Twitter and or Instagram, I'm at DMC underscore Ryan on both of those. And with that, let me say hello and thank you to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier backers on Patreon. The Roadster in Space crew, thank you to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, and Sean Neidig. Thank you all so very much. On the plaid level, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, there's club number one, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, The Tesla Owners Club of the East Bay, club number two, Scott Gillis, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, and the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin. That's club support number three. And uh, that's everybody, right? Oh, I think I let Maximum Plaid, of course. I can't skip them. Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, 
Howard Anthony Smith, Jackson Wallace, Charles Galpin, Neil Weaver, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversoll, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley. That's the fourth club. Thank you so much to all the Tesla clubs that are starting to support my efforts here on the podcast. That really means a lot from uh, from one community to another. From I, I, I'm so grateful to be a part of the Tesla community and, and see that support from the Owners Clubs. And then Michael Williams, MT, and Will Stedman. Thank you all, all the Patreon supporters, very, very much. You do keep me going here, quite literally. All right, for a snoring Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was episode 299 of Ride the Lightning, episode 300 coming your way from Arizona next week. It's going to be the earnings call show. I'll have, of course, my usual treatment there, the highlight clips, all the best clips of Elon and any of the other Tesla executives that have interesting things to say during the earnings call. I'll have a, uh, you know, just the recap of everything that happens, the analysis, my usual full kitten caboodle, the works for you coming up on episode 300 next week. So until then, happy electric motoring, and I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make, it's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.